Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hey, thanks for coming back to the Advertising Show. Being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adh.com. Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production with a very special guest by the name of Jim Dale today. Now, Jim is a former CEO of WB Donor. He's also co-author of a book called The Obvious, All You Need to Know in Business, Period. And we'll have Jim on for a few segments here on the show. Along with, uh, very shortly here, the Marketing Insider with uh, Patrick Meyer. It's called New Agency, what he's talking about today. And Jeffrey Ginnimer is leaving a tip. You think Jeffrey's a good tipper? Mm. It's good service, maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah, interesting. So yeah. we've got, uh, got Jeffrey on and uh, Patrick and, of course, uh, Jim Dale as well. And how are you doing? Doing well. A lot of people may not know this. You may not even know this, Ray. No, I don't. The power. Well, you don't know for sure. If you, yes, that's true. The uh, Jim is also the co-author of the Power of Nice. Linda Kaplan Thaler, who oh. we've had on the show a couple times. Okay. Had her on the show before she. Uh, uh, well, the second time was when she was author of that particular book, The mm-hmm. Power of Nice. And I guess that makes Jim a nice guy, too. On the back of his book, it's just these little uh, bulleted items. It says, sure. uh, show up, don't be a jerk. Well, we're 50% there at that point. Yeah. We do show up. Uh, simple is better than complicated to tell the truth. Don't look backwards. We don't do that. Uh, trust somebody besides yourself. Mm, okay. I'll go for that. But this is a great book. All you need to know about business, period. And uh, pretty, pretty, uh, you know, that kind of uh, subtitle on the obvious. Mm-hmm. All you need to know about business, period. period right. Lofty goal so, there. Yeah. Pretty yeah. lofty. Well, we'll hope uh, by the end of the show to know everything we need to know here with Jim. It's it's a great book, by the way. Very good. Yeah. There's a guy in Chicago who's in trouble, uh, charged for putting a television show on the web. Uh, you know, you think about that. Oh, you mean a commercial? Uh, a commercial show. A federal yeah. authorities charged a Chicago man with copyright violations. I would imagine. For allegedly uploading several episodes of 24 uh, <laughs> on the Internet before the show season premiere earlier uh, in the year. You can't do that. Before no. the show's premiere. Yes, yes. Well, that's even worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, then no wonder he got uh, yeah. in trouble. Yeah. George or Jorge, whoever you'd like to say... Uh, used a website to download the first four episodes of the sixth season of 24. That uh, would be six. That would be eight. Yes. Um, no. And then uploaded LiveDigital.com, according to the federal complaint filed in Los Angeles. Wow. So he's in trouble. The episodes yeah. appeared online more than a week before their debuts on the 14th and 15th. So, but I mean, normally that wouldn't be a big deal. I mean, it, yeah, you have a last name? Is just George? Jorge? Romero. Or Romero. Is he, yeah. But he's, uh, he's a, an American that lives in Chicago. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, charged with one felony count of uploading copyrighted material, and he also has agreed to surrender at the U.S. District Courthouse, okay, because he knew that Paris Hilton was going to be there. Well, she's been and gone at this point. (laughs) You know, here it is early July already, and you're getting ready for a... uh, for a, a vacation. Yeah, right. And uh, our worldwide audience doesn't need to know that because we're not skipping a beat here. No. But uh, are you ready for your vacation? Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's back packed. to uh, Cleveland as where you at all started. Beautiful Napoleon, Ohio. Now, Jim would uh, know where that is. He or would. Kind of know. It's 
was just west of Toledo, so he knows that. Well, area. and for our listeners in uh, Asia and Europe, you can look that up at Google. There, there Maps. is a city of Napoleon com. website, and it's real interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, actually, it's a lovely city. It's very nice. Yeah. Well, it's kind of cool. you know, uh, we mentioned, uh, well, I'm not going to talk about that because uh, it's old stuff by this time, but a woman, Ray, sues E. Harmony for refusing to match gays. Oh, really? Yes. This is a serious sexual tension at uh, uh, matter at, at eHarmony. Yeah. A California woman is suing the online uh, dating site, claiming that it's uh, d- discriminating against gays, lesbians, and bisexuals. Hmm. I guess we got them all there. Yeah. Uh, Linda Carlson says that uh, she's tried to use the site back as uh, recent as this, this past February to find a date with another woman, but was turned down. She says that her... Uh, that she wrote the company, but they refused to change their policy, which provides options for women seeking men. Yeah. Crazy world we live in. Men seeking women. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. The research that uh, eHarmony has developed through years of research uh, to match couples has been based on tri- uh, traits and personality patterns of successful heterosexual marriages. Yeah. And eHarmony uh, is sticking by that statement, which, you know, if that's their business model, so be it. Right. Yeah. And uh, on the other hand, if you're listening, and uh, wouldn't that mean that there's an opportunity for another competitor that maybe specializes in uh, uh, gays, lesbians, and bisexuals? No, they just wanted to sue them. That's all. We're lawsuit happy. Well, but, that's and, true. And but, uh, harmony too, but I mean, so. if there's no site like that for dating, for getting gays and others together, then go start one, but Linda. You, but you got to know there is. <laughs> I would think there right. I think there would be. But quit wasting these people's times and that's making true. lawyers even richer. Right, Linda. Right. Is that her name? Unless it's on contingency. It is. Linda Carlson. Okay. Yeah. Linda Carlson. She's available at carlsonlinda.com. <laughs> no, I don't know that. Yeah. Let's check in with Patrick Meyer on the advertising show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. If you're in an advertising agency and you're change resistant or you've been on Madison Avenue for 50 years and you think everything should stay the way it's always been, then you may want to turn the volume down for the next minute or so. Because today I'm going to talk to you about what I call the New Age Agency or New Agency. This comes right out of the DNA of chief marketing officers and what they think and feel now. Agencies doing a jump ball where they invite five agencies in to all work on creative, pay them a token fee, and take the best. Another example, having an online agency doing the bulk of your creative because you're going out in digital forms online, into cell phones, and in many cases extending out into outdoor print and other places where it began with online. Agencies looking for leaner teams, SWAT teams, where you pay for the creative bench strength and you're not paying for the rest. Or another example, marketing mix experts, a new form of discipline focused on the ROI, but looking at the mix and using tools to evaluate it. The solution is all about ideas and new go-to-market mode. The ideas doesn't matter where they come from. Clients will take an idea from any source, internally, externally, a core idea that they can work with. That's what it's all about. And it's about an agency that goes to market in a whole different way. It's speed to market. It's creative ideas that are big and can be extended out both online, offline, and into new technology. And it's also people that can think out of the box and think about driving the business, not just reaching frequency, but driving the brand and driving sales every day. That's what clients are looking for. So here's what you might want to do. If you're in an agency, think a different way. Try and be part of a team that delivers this. If you're in a client environment, start looking for those resources that help you get there. If you're thinking about starting your own company, keep this in mind because it's all about a different go-to-market model and delivering big ideas rapid fire. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. 
Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. Thanks, Patrick, on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Jim Dale is our guest today. The book is called The Obvious, All You Need to Know in Business Period. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Jim because he does have a 12-page bio. He does? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, look, the, the printer ran out of ink on the way printing this thing. Well, here. you know, when his publicist wanted to send him that $10,000 invoice, yeah. that's when she got into the extra pages there. I see. Yeah. Uh, copywriter, creative director, corporate creative director, vice chairman, WB donor and company out of Southfield and, and in Baltimore. Also a president and chairman CEO of WB donor uh, from uh, 91 to 95 as well. Uh, so basically, the man's been doing lots of stuff for many, many years. And uh, as you said before, um, he was co-author right. uh, on The Power of Nice, uh, which was really, really cool. By the way, speaking of uh, The Power of Nice, mm-hmm. uh, she was on American Inventor. Yeah, No, you're confusing her with... Oh, uh, that's right, that's yeah. right, that's right. With, Who's the uh, other lady? Yeah, uh... Oh. See, we're both having a senior moment at the well, time. Well, not really. The Who's t- the lady out of New York, Bruce? I, I think you're, yeah. <laughs> our producer here, Bruce uh, Abbott. Bruce? Who's the uh, who's the the power of nice? The lady is out of New York. Well, that was Linda Kaplan Thayer, but who is the lady that used to do regular contributions to the show? Uh, and she was on the American Adventure as a judge uh, oh, it was, uh, last season. Mary Lou Quinlan. Mary Lou Quinlan. Thank yes. you very much. Yes. And by the way, if I'll, you, take, I'll take famous authors for 30. If Alex. you loosen those depends, you can get more blood to your head, and that memory will come right back, Ray. Think so? I don't know. Either that or a music bed here. Don't loosen the depends. No, don't do that. Please. I can keep them on if I could. I wear them with suspenders. Very attractive. Looking good, Larry. Jim Dale next on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Oh, Mom! Look, Mom, no cavities! Oh, Debbie, really? Dennis says no new cavities. Welcome back to the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And our special guest uh, for this segment, add a couple more on uh, this weekend's show, is Jim Dale, uh, former CEO of WB Donor and author of The Obvious, All You Need to Know in Business, period. Uh, well, uh, honors and accomplishments. How about Adweek Magazine, Creator Director of the Year, some Clio Awards, One Show Awards, International Film and TV Awards, the Andy Awards, Andy? And uh, and many, many more. Also, two lions from the Cannes uh, Worldwide Festival. Jim, it is uh, so great out of Baltimore to have you on the advertising show this weekend. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, and you know, off the uh, off the air, we were talking about the uh, the Power of Nice book, and you clarified something for us, and we'd like for you, if you would, just to clarify for our audience your tie-in with that and, and straighten all that out for us, Jim. Sure. Uh, I was a co-author of a book called The Power of Nice that uh, was published about three years ago along with uh, sports agent lawyer Ron Shapiro, and it's about negotiation and about how you can do it as a, as a nice person and still get what you want. And then this past year, uh, the book the, by, by the same title came out uh, by the two um, women in advertising. Yeah, and there's no no relationship between the two. And for those, except, uh, except perhaps for philosophy of uh, doing business. Yes, and for those budding authors out there, or those uh, in the uh, area of advertising and marketing, and you're new to this world, uh, when it comes to copyright, you cannot 
copyright a book title. So there's your first lesson in uh, That's right. copyright. You for copyright the content, but not the uh, and the and the concept, but not the title. Right. Which it, and, but so it, and and they're actually when you go looking, you'll see sometimes. Uh, several books with the same or similar names. Right, which is why Ray and I are going to write a, uh, a great book, uh, hope it to play off of a, a well-known name that's coming out next year called The Bible, mm-hmm. and we're hoping that it people... might catch on. Well, they might, and might just go with the title. But uh, j- before we talk about your book, outstanding read, uh, great read, highly recommended. If an author's on our show, and we get a lot of books from publishers here, you can rest assured we're uh, a fan of the material and content, and so... Uh, urge you to go check out the obvious and listen to what Jim has to say today. But before we jump into that, uh, you came up through creative uh, and then eventually as president and chairman, CEO, a donor in uh, Baltimore. Share with us just a few of your highlights as a CD and a corporate creative director at, uh, at, at donor. What, some of your, you know, I don't know, uh, seminal moments when you look back on your career at the creative end, some standouts, you know, just... Well, it was coming up through creative was, you know, that's what I wanted to do. It was a lot of fun, actually, because it was somebody actually paid me to write things. So I thought that was very exciting. And it was a time of great growth for the agency. So we were sort of bursting out from those, a time of being a regional agency into being national and international. And it was very rapid, you know, very, very exciting time. We were doing a lot of, I think at the time, a lot of humorous advertising. And, um, and it was also very timely you know to do that sort of thing one of, one of the stories that i recall from that time actually is related to a lesson in this book in the obvious i just told someone the story the other day that when i was a young creative director responsible for the vlasic pickle account um and we had a lot of pressure on us to come up with a new campaign because the client had summarily shot down the first attempt that we had done and we had a presentation in about a week and I was looking at the work from my teams, and it was not really good enough, and we just didn't have it. And I went to the account executive, and I said, we need more time. And she went slightly ballistic and said, you can't have more time, and the account will be in jeopardy, and everybody will go crazy, and the client's going to go berserk. And I said, but we don't have it. We, don't, we just shouldn't go. And she finally sort of threw the phone at me, and she said, you tell him. And I very reluctantly did pick up the phone and call the client, praying he wouldn't be there. And then I, he picked up the phone, and I said, uh, you know, the work is just not good enough. And he said, well, I'm glad you told me that. Why don't you just take your time and, and um, tell me when you're ready. Hmm. And I hung up the phone and I told that to the account executive. And she turned to me and she said, oh, sure, sure, you use the honesty technique. <laughs> and I said, you know, I realized at that point it's not a technique. Right. It's a principle of business that works. And it, I have a whole section of the book actually devoted to that. Yeah, and you know, it's... Uh it's interesting that how many, and I guess, you know, that was back in the days the account people were the front people that were, you know, supposed to be in charge of the account. And there was, I don't know, maybe a different personality back then. I know exactly, and Ray certainly does as well, of what you talk about there. And, uh, you know, I guess it, it uh, in the highly competitive world of advertising, and it is that, and it was then as well, uh, there's a tendency to think that, uh a client would not appreciate honesty, but you know, if you put yourself in the other person's place, and I don't know about you, Jim, but uh, for my personal uh, experience, I've always, before making any uh, decision on how to deal with a client situation, is I just put myself in their place and say, what would I want some ad agency guy to be telling me? And there's always a clear answer there. 
Absolutely. Even if I mean, if it's bad news, it's sort of like a band-aid. You know, get it over with, tear it off, and be done. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we had the uh, uh, we've had a lot of creative people come up through the show and, and share with this, their experiences and. Uh, you know, we've had uh, well-known names, and you can go to our archives at theadvertisingshow.com to check any of our pre- previous guests. Uh, any particular highlight other than the Vlasic in terms of some business that you did work on that you developed that our audience would be familiar with? Well, uh, I did some campaigns that have managed to last. I did the create the campaign for Klondike ice cream bars that most people know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the what would you do for a Klondike bar? Right. And that lasted beyond our agency, past two more agencies. I remember calling the, uh, the 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 client at one point trying to get the business back, and he said, "Oh, you're the guys that did that great campaign. Got to go." <laughs> and did you do you create the line yourself? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and that was a case, an interesting case, where we presented two campaigns, and and it looked like it really looked like we were going with the other one, and you know, sort of at the eleventh hour, the client said, "You know, I'm sort of mixed up, and what do you think?" And and um, and the other one was a very good was a very good campaign, but I think did not at the time we said you know we just don't I said I just don't know if it has the longevity that this one has. Well, you know you look back and you say, boy was I boy was I lucky or smart? <laughs> yeah, because it, it lasted about fifteen years or so. And uh, well, well let's uh, let's jump into the book because it's an outstanding uh, read, and we've got just a minute and a half just to set it up before we fin- come up with the next two segments. Uh, you, you have an interesting premise for your book, uh, The Obvious. It's a concept that there's no secrets to business success and that all you need to know is obvious. Is this, uh, is this suggesting that we overlook the obvious? We tend to do that. We have about Absolutely. a, have a minute think, left here, Jim. I think we have, a great, we have a great weakness and penchant for tricks and miracles and secret cures. So if, if it's already there in front of us and, and it's you know, plain as can be, how could it be that effective? If it's not magic, how could it work? And in fact, these lessons are lessons taught to you by mentors, by parents, grandparents, you know, other other wise people. Or as somebody said to me, sometimes you get this advice in a fortune cookie. But but it's good and it has lasted. But it's not, you know, the confessions of a of a bloodthirsty CEO, and it's not a parable based on cheese. It's plain lessons right in front of you. And you uh, you came up with these concepts, I assume, from personal experience, or did you also look to others to weigh in on this? I, I did. I, I would say largely from personal experience, but what I mean by that is these are sometimes things that I did not do, but I did not do them enough times that finally it dawned on me that maybe I should. In some cases, it were they were things that I did. I by trial and error got them, and in many cases, it was uh, I arrived at them by looking at other people who seemed to be effective and seemed to get things done in a more effortless way. And I said, what are they doing right here? Our special guest here on the show today is Jim Dale, author of the uh, book called The Obvious, All You Need to Know in Business Period. It's what we're talking about today, amongst other things as well. Jim out of Baltimore. Uh, The advertising show powered by a vehicle called uh, Tendency. It's part of uh, the company called Schiphol.com. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. And they do a great job. Check it out. Back with more on The Advertising Show in just a moment. Stay with us. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? 
If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Dippity-doo. You. Dippity-doo. For setting your hair. Dippity-doo. Welcome back to the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And our guest out of Baltimore this weekend is Jim Dale, author of The Obvious, All You Need to Know in Business, period. Jim, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Yeah, Jim, staying with uh, the opening of your book, is this, uh, would you say it's fair to characterize your book as kind of a keep-it-simple type uh, advice book, kind of a business success for idiots, if you will? I mean, I don't mean that in a degrading way, but I mean it in, you know, a positive way. No, I think we mean idiot in the most complimentary way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's so, it, a lot of what your advice is in there, it's, it's like so, uh, it's like once you hear it and once you read it, it's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And as you, Absolutely. As you pointed out earlier, it's a lot of things that seem to be uh, overlooked, but yet once you, once you read it in your book, it's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yes, absolutely. I think that, that that's what I would hope. I would hope you look at these things and say, in a sense, say, I knew this or I should know this, but I don't practice it enough. You know, I say simple is better than complicated, and yet, you know, you can go into a meeting tomorrow and somebody you're with will undoubtedly... Um, Look at a problem and turn it turn a relatively basic problem into something convoluted and impossible to untie. Yeah, and one of the first things in your book you do is you define work. Why is that? I define work because people again this sort of goes back to the premise of the book. People love shortcuts. You know, they always love to tell you this story. I knew this guy who was twenty three. By the time he was twenty four, he was a gazillionaire. Well, you skip the part that he worked day and night. He had a brilliant idea and he worked day and night. So even though it was maybe a year later, two years later, you know, an effort was put in to arrive at this. And work is hard. It's work. It's labor. You would hope you'll like it. It should be something rewarding and fulfilling. But, you know, you don't, you don't really get there by, by staring at the wall. Yeah, and you, le- you left donor, I, I guess, what was it, 95? Yes. Yeah. And uh, yet you still have a pulse on what's going on out there as a consultant in the, in the marketing. Yes, I've been involved with several companies since yeah. then. I have never, never stopped my involvement in the marketing world. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I find, uh, and, and see, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I find that uh, misconceptions about shortcuts uh, are, are just that, and that there t- tends to be today the young people getting out of, uh, out of college and university tend to look to... Uh, wanting to achieve things without paying the dues first. And I, I don't know that that was so much the case 20 years ago. It was more of an expectation that you had to pay I, your dues. I, I think so, although, you know, we have a lot of people working very, very hard these days, a lot of young people. I, I, I have a feeling that people, since the beginning of time, there were lazy cavemen and industrious cavemen. Yeah. I think some just sort of sat around on the, you know, on the rocks and, and, and while some were out there inventing fire. I, I, and we have the same thing today. There are some very, very industrious young people who are coming up with brand new, exciting ideas all the time. And then there are other people saying, "I wish I were those people." You know, I think that's a fair, uh, a fair point. And I, I think maybe what I should say is that for those industrious individuals that are not of this attitude of entitlement, 
as I met one the other day, Patricia, if you're listening, uh, they're, they're standouts. I mean, they really, yeah, they, they, yeah, that's not, um, yeah. So part two of your book, you spend some time talking about ego. Talk about the role the ego plays in the workplace today. Well, I think workplaces, I, I, I guess it's throughout life, but workplaces are places where people are constantly saying, I did this. Did you notice I did that? Mm-hmm. Hey, look how well I did. And it's very hard to sublimate your ego because work is a competitive atmosphere. You know, the person in the office next to you might get a promotion and you might not. So you want to make sure you get credit for what you've done. And it's very hard to sublimate your ego. But what I'm trying to say in the book is, and it sounds a little bit contradictory, but the best way to to, to fuel your ego and have your, your accomplishments recognized is to not call attention to them but to perform on behalf of the company or the service or the effort or the idea. Deliver. And what happens is if you deliver three, four, five times in a row, somebody turns around and says, hey, how come that department is outshining everybody else? So ego- it's in the advertising business. If you create great campaigns three or four times, you don't have to say, look at my shelf full of awards. It's just apparent. And a couple of examples I give, you know, I, I turn to Apollo 13 where they brought the stranded ship down from outer space without an individual hero, but with a truly with a team approach. Yeah. And yeah. that that's sort of the message of, of that story, is that, you know, the, the cooperation between the astronauts and the guys on the ground is what brought that ship down, not some single hero hurling it back to Earth. Yeah, so you're not saying the ego is a bad thing. You're saying it can actually be a source of pride for your work, I suppose. Exactly, but you don't have to beat your chest. And in fact, if you beat your chest, you're going to get a sore chest. So would it be fair to say that the ego can play a, a role in the workplace, but uh, I guess if you find that you're tending to, on an individual basis, want to shine as opposed to as a team or on behalf of your client, that's the first uh, first little hint. Sure. That, I mean, yeah. if you get up in the morning and you say, how do I enhance my ego, you're, you're not in as good shape as if you get up in the morning and say, how do I do a better campaign? <laughs> or how do I get a raise or how do I get a promotion, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Right. That's kind of a waste of time. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of like being stuck in the snow. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. And part three of your uh, book, we have about a minute left in this uh, segment. and we'll and, listen to that again. Yeah. And then we'll pick it up next segment as well. Part three in your book, you discuss the concept of being nice, something that you mentioned that you wrote about in a previous book. Is it, are you suggesting that the axiom, nice guys finish last, is just not there anymore? I think it's not there. I think that, well, here's what I'm trying to say, and I'm very, I'm brutally honest about this. I'm not saying you can't succeed as a jerk, but I'm saying you can succeed as a reasonable, rational, good human being. So if you have a choice, which one would you like to be? Right. Yeah, Exactly. It's and I think most of most of us would prefer to be a decent, nice, rational person rather than being known as a wild jerk. I'll go for that <laughs> any day. Jim Dale, our guest here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. More with Jim in just a minute. How can 18 different companies all sell the exact same thing known as water? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most thought-provoking, groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. Your job demands you not only have good ideas, but great ideas. And those great ideas have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. 
How can you get someone's attention if you don't have $10 million in a celebrity endorsement? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most innovative and groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. The next big idea demands out-of-the-box thinking. Start your search for greatness in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I used to be alone in a crowd. But now you look around these days. There seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze. Welcome back to The Advertising Show. It's Rachel and Red Forsyth with you. Out of Baltimore, it's our uh, very special guest, Jim Dale, who is a author of the book called The Obvious, All You Need to Know in Business Period. I should say this particular book is a lot more out there as well. I'd be curious about the uh, Tiger Woods book as well and whether uh, Coach uh, Don Crosby can shave any strokes off my score. Yeah. <laughs> I, bet, I bet he can. I don't know. Anyway, Jim, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're going to touch on some of the key concepts that you have in your book. We've already talked a little bit about simple is uh, better and one of his Concepts, Ray, is also less is more, and he must have preceded Clear Channel in that idea. Uh, truth is uh, is the more powerful, uh, most powerful tool in business. We touched on that as well. Let's take a few of the more, uh, uh, few of the uh, concepts further in the book. In particular, listening more than you talk, listening versus hearing. Talk about that, Jim. Well, the, listen. I mean, there's one we all know. I mean, if you listen more than you talk, you'll you certainly will solve twice as many problems. Uh, but we, you know, we tend to be in business and in all, in all aspects of business. We tend to be talkers. I mean, how often in a situation somebody is presenting a problem and they can't even finish the problem before someone else is saying, oh, I know what we do, here's what we do, here's what They haven't even heard the whole problem. Inside almost every problem that's presented to you is the solution, screaming to get out. You know, someone's in front of you, a client's in front of you saying, I need to get this. I, I need to get a message across that shows, you know, that our that our product delivers that is, you know, has higher vitamin content. You know, they're trying to tell you desperately, and and we're answering questions that aren't there. We'll have it to you Tuesday. That's not what the client is saying to you. Or you know, we can bring it in under budget. That's not what they're saying to you. If you if you listen better, the answer is there, and they're almost always trying to tell it to you. They're trying to you know drive it through your head with a spike, but. We're not listening. You know, that's such an outstanding point. I don't know how many meetings we've all been in, and uh, you can hear two people conversing, and you can hear that one is not hearing the same conversation you're listening on the sidelines to. And as you say, uh, clients will, uh, there's a, there's a, a information within what they're saying to you that you as a marketer can use to create some great campaigns. You also mention uh, patience as a virtue, but you also say, Patience can can be also something uh, good as well. Talk about that. Yeah, well, I, I believe patience is a virtue and impatience is a virtue too. Um, and what I mean by it is, you know, it's good to be patient, let things play out, learn what you can. But inaction is is is, is really uh, the undoing of so many good ideas. Nothing is ever perfect, so you've got to get to market with it. You've got to put it out there and let the public shape it, let the world shape it. How many people have you known who said, oh, I had an idea like that many years ago, but I didn't do anything about it, and then, you know, 
I opened up the I opened up a magazine and there it was, discount airfares. Well, if you didn't do anything about it, then but you were sort of waiting to perfect it or waiting for something, of course nothing's going to happen with it. So you know I'm a great believer in in, in you know um, as I say in there, you know punch O and get a real person to talk to when you're on hold. Right. You know, and if you see your ideas eventually appearing, uh, you may that may be a hint that you're you're on to something. You're just not motivated to to get after it quicker right. than sometimes the next it's guy. Fear sometimes it's trying to make it perfect when perfect is impossible. Yeah. And before we wrap up, we've got a couple minutes left, and I'm going to ask you uh, a final question about uh, uh, the big lesson uh, for life uh, in life for you from the business world. But before I do that, towards the end of your book, you advise taking inventory, asking yourself questions like, how am I doing? Am I happy, challenged, filled, right. uh, paid well, etc.? Tell us more about this process and why it's important. The taking inventory? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> it's hard to do because it really requires closing the door, and I mean that literally and figuratively. You have to stop doing whatever you're doing, and you have to create some, some quiet, some silence in your life, and again, figuratively and literally, and say, am I doing what I want to do? I mean, if you find yourself driving home every night gnashing your teeth or riding the train and, and, and just replaying all the hideous parts of the day. Something's wrong. But you don't really know what or why until you step back and you say, what am I doing every day that I like and what am I doing every day that I don't like and am I accomplishing what I thought I was going to accomplish two years ago when I took this job or five years ago or last week when I took on this project? And if not, can I make adjustments to make it okay or is it taking me nowhere those are very very hard questions but you cannot answer them when, when all the noise is going on you know that's an outstanding point and for those senior uh, management folks out there that uh, work in the advertising business if you have executives that come in and resign next week that's uh, James Dale you'd want to <laughs> send an email to exactly. because he's the one that just encouraged that and then what you right. want to do is go ahead and hire those people that's right because those are the ones you're looking for Jim it's been a pleasure having you here on the advertising show uh, best of luck with this uh, current book here as well the uh, the obvious all you need to know in business period and continued success with your career as well well thank you very much I really appreciate it it's been fun to be on thanks go, for joining go get the book we'll be back in just a minute with more of the advertising show You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. What's up? He knows stolen the different vitamins we need to make Flintstones. Yabba-dabba-doo, yabba-dabba-doo. Great conversation with Jim Dale out of uh, Baltimore, the obvious all-you-need-to-know-in-business period. By the way, uh, we didn't uh, plug the uh, uh, website. There isn't a website. It's called theobviousbook.com that he's yeah. marketing it to, through as well. It's a great site. It's, and uh, well as well, all the other channels, too. Exactly. It's a great website. I had a chance to visit it before we interviewed today. And, of course, we need to remind our listeners. The Obvious is available at Amazon.com or a bookstore near you. There you go. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, out of London, uh, I don't know whether you heard this or not, but uh, a Russian media group called Prof Media, P-R-O-F Media, 
uh, has bought MTV, and I didn't even know there was MTV Russia and VH1 Russia. Did you? I knew that they had uh, franchises of that overseas, but I didn't know they had a Russian version, no. That's uh, 360 mil uh, cash to expand its reach into uh, free-to-air entertainment broadcasting, which wow. is good. Mm-hmm. Hey, what a concept. It's not Cuba. Yeah. Uh, U.S. media conglomerate Viacom owns, still owns 53% of the company that controls the channels, 42% owned by the Russia partners, 5% by the European Bank for reconstruction and development, which is also a skin care place, I guess. I, don't I, know. I wonder if it was on in Venezuela if they would still left it on the air. Uh, no. Chavez. No, no. No, I don't think so. No. Don't think so. That's an interesting situation. Isn't it, there, isn't it? Yeah. And we've got uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, who is, you know, you thought Jim had some good things to say. Well, Jeffrey does as well. This is all about leaving a tip. How good of a tipper are you? Let's listen. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. You ever leave a tip? Sure you do. And most of the time you leave a tip, it's based on the service or the quality of the service that you perceive. Sometimes it's a combination of qualities, food plus server. Skycaps at airports work for tips. I know this, and so I tip liberally as a result of it. They don't have a jar outside. They do the same excellent job whether they're tipped or not. They're working for the tip to try to earn it. The point here is that service has nothing to do with your company. Service has everything to do with the people who work for the company. You, people like you. So here's the 4.5 tips on how to earn a tip. The first thing you do is start with a smile. Smiles are contagious. The second thing you do is engage the other person in a friendly manner. Start with your name and stop when it comes to your canned pitch. The third thing to do is help others sincerely and without expectation. Your job is to serve. Do that with excellence and all will be well. The fourth thing to do is tell them how nice it was to serve them. Be sincere. That's no problem if you've been sincere all along. And 4.5, thank them like your mother taught you to do. Sometimes the best tip you can give others isn't money. A small gift is sometimes better than a monetary gift because it comes from your heart. The best tip of all that you can give to others is a kind word of thanks or a compliment. They love hearing it from customers because they probably never hear it from their boss. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Yeah, you tell them, Jeffrey. We have uh, Elizabeth Ross, who is the great-great-great-great-granddaughter of Betsy Ross. Mm-hmm. No, I don't no. know that. Uh, but is the president of Tribal DDB West uh, on the show next week? Great, you know, great figuring fun. around the holidays here, we've got to we ought to talk about that a little bit. That's true. So Elizabeth is uh, I've got her bio here too. Uh, the Western region of Tribal DDB and oversees offices in San Francisco, L.A., Dallas uh, as well. So uh, that'll be an interesting conversation too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, thanks to uh, 
Let's see, where are we at here? Okay. Thanks, uh, thanks very much to our friend uh, Jim Dale out of Baltimore. The obvious all you need to know in business, period. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that book out there. Yeah. Possibly grab a copy. It's a good book. Anything else you want to add here, Robert? No, quick? not really. I'm looking forward to next week's show. Uh, Tribal is a great agency, and it should be an interesting show with Elizabeth. Okay, very good. By the way, uh, theadvertisingshow.com is an incredible destination, whether you're here on the weekend or throughout the week, and it's a great place to share with your friends as well. An incredible amount of information going back to, uh, believe it or not, 2001. Uh, with uh, with uh, not only uh, uh, you know uh, stuff in there, but it's uh, the actual audio uh, from these shows. Uh, so there's something good to get. And if you're not uh, signed up to get these things uh, weekly, the podcast and such, uh, go do that uh, as well. well. The advertising show is brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. And of course, we always invite you to come and see the advertising show here at theadvertisingshow.com. With Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, uh, have a safe weekend. Okay. The Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production.